Zeros. Thank you for tuning in to Zeros Talking Heroes, the podcast that is a god among insects. You can call me Joe, and I'm here with my two friends who are Munich circus performers to talk to you about the movie X2. We've got sequel. The podcast that wants something other than chocolate milk. And Corey. The podcast that should never trust a beautiful woman, especially one into us. Before we do the whole what we've been watching thing and let you know what we think about X2, though, we have an email from our friend Bennett. Hey! So he sent us an email about some odd questions. He basically has a question to ask everyone, and I don't mean our regular performers, I mean everyone associated with us, pretty much. So Bennett writes, Joe, have you and your girlfriend seen Roman Holiday? It's good, give it a shot. It has a sweet but realistic ending, somewhere between Romeo and Juliet and Happily Ever After. Uh, we haven't seen that one yet, but it sounds... I looked it up, it's got Audrey Hepburn in it, so it's exactly right in the vein alley. of yeah. what Veronica would be into. So thanks for making me talk about this on the podcast that she listens to. <laughs> Can't get out of it. Joe, delete that. <laughs> Joe, leave it in. I will. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Matt 2.0, a.k.a. sequel. Did you ever see Bad Times at the El Royale? I left the theater thinking I'd love to see more about these characters and more stories that take place around the El Royale. And I love the music, too, so that is a home run in my book. I have not seen it yet. It's not playing anywhere around here anymore. No. We all tried as a group. and we did. It didn't work out. No. We caught Bohemian Rhapsody as a group, though, so that's important. I will catch that movie when it comes out. Either Same. streaming or library. Corey, oh. so, so I haven't seen Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. As a fellow science-loving movie watcher, should I or not? Oof. Um, have you seen it? Corey? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes, I have. I'm going to say yes. And I'm going to say yes because for as awesome as the movie is technically and as fun as it is scientifically, they have a really, really fun almost science fiction-esque twist on the end of it. So even if you're not just like a strict science person, you kind of like weird, funky science fiction stuff, you'll still really enjoy the ending. I thought the ending of that movie was gut-wrenching and beautiful. I have more. Uh, He also says, bear in mind I already know the ending. I'm worried it's a bit like watching The Sixth Sense today and it's already spoiled by pop culture. Nope, then you'll still love the technical aspects of it. Also, I hated The Dark Knight Rises, so I leave it up to you, yay or nay. Fuck. <laughs> I, I still maintain that. It's a, I, it's a better movie than Dark Knight Rises. Does Interstellar have, has, have uh, any rewatchability for you? Yeah, I'll watch it again. Because I saw it, and I liked it. Mm-hmm. But it's so fucking long. That, <laughs> it, you know that, what? Like, whenever I'm like looking for something to watch, it comes up, I'm like, oh, I, I don't have the strength for this right now, I can't do it. it it's it's got it's to gotta be the right moment, for sure. Like I can't just sit like flip through on a Saturday and be like, oh, Interstellar's on, I'll leave this on. Because that's going to waste a lot of my day. But if I'm in a mood to watch a really technically beautiful movie... And I've got that kind of time. I'll watch your stuff. Like I love, I, like I don't discriminate against length of movies. I like long movies, but they can't feel long. Interstellar felt long to me. Yeah, I can remember leaving the movie like, ooh, that, that took a lot. Yeah, Never there are it. definitely some moments that feel it long. drags. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess that third act is just so moving to me that I, I will suffer through them talking about how corn has replaced other things. The band? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, the band. Uh, I will I will listen to them talk about what they're doing on Earth for umpteenth minutes for no reason. 
just to get to that third act. Bono becomes president and Korn is his cabinet. That's crazy. Yeah. So I guess that's a yay for you, Ben. Also unrelated, but Bad Times at the El Royale starts with funny man and fellow woodworker like me, Nick Offerman, doing some woodworking. I fucking love Nick Offerman. That's great, actually. I think, <laughs> I think that is enough of an excuse for a shop teacher to show it in class. Winky face. Hey! I see what you did there. Sadly enough, I'm no longer a uh, substitute. Corey's a permanent social I, studies professor now. I am. I am officially a social studies teacher. I would tell you the school, but that's not going to happen. You also don't won't know where it is. Frank, have you ever heard of a Ryan Reynolds, Emma Stone, and Jeff Daniels movie called Paper Man from 2009, I think? I haven't seen it, but from the cast and photos alone, it sounds like you should get it, you should get it on the list. I'm not sure if it's streaming somewhere, but I'll attach the photo so you can see how interesting it looks. Also, I think Joe will agree to any Ryan Reynolds in a Kate movie. I will agree to any Ryan Reynolds movie, period. Period. End of discussion. Also, I'm not Frank, but I've definitely heard of Paper Man. I don't think I have. And I've thought about suggesting it before. Is it... uh, Does it fall in the purview? Yeah, he's he's basically a superhero. What? Yeah, it's... From what I gather, it's kind of like a weird movie. It looks ridiculous. But it falls under our jurisdiction. Alright, add it. That hair. As soon as it's streaming somewhere... Boom, Paper Man's in. Oh, it on that one. Nice. Uh, prequel Matt, a.k.a. Matt. <laughs> Let's imagine I've donated a large sum of gifts to ZTH, just in theory. And so those guys owe me a huge favor, and I forced them to do some deep, in-depth... I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce analysis. Analyses. Anal. Analyses, <laughs> I guess, of a porn parody movie. Stoning it and everything. So far, so good. Would you prefer Batman 66 or an Avengers spoof? Just asking for a friend. Note, don't worry, Joe. I'm not really asking. Just want Matt's reaction. I'm sorry you don't get Matt's reaction. I can almost guarantee he's going to pick Avengers, though. Yeah, he hates Batman. (laughs) But you knew that. But actually, the thing is, he'll probably do one of these things where he's like, but the thing is, there's a lot of really good Star Wars and Game of Thrones ones out on the interwebs, if you know where to look. So I'd probably tell us to do a Star Wars one. But if you had those two choices... That wasn't the choice. No, I'm saying that that's what Matt would respond. He'd be like, uh, why don't we do the Star Wars ones instead? Oh, because Matt won't actually answer with a choice given to him. Correct. That's fair. (laughs) Is it weird that I casted us already in these? The porn version? Yes. (laughs) Yes, but go on. (laughs) I'm in. I'll bite. That was just a joke. I was... (laughs) This, I want, I want this is the daydream I had at work. I, I didn't write anything down. Kind of want to be Hawkeye. <laughs> it's because you always. Hit, is it because you always hit the shot? <laughs> I don't want to be Hawkeye. Oh god! I saw nine women last week. I shot nine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Oh, he even god. he even continues to write to Mr. Urkham. <laughs> I don't know if Mr. Urkham still listens to us, but if he does, he's in for a treat. <laughs> oh, nice. Hey man, how's it going? So I called up Frank Moran, the mayor of Camden, New Jersey, the other day, and he said, uh, hell no. They actually refused to turn May 22nd, which according to iTunes was ZTH's episode one date, into a local ZTH holiday. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I emailed Frank myself. He, he's, he... he's a real stickler for this, I yeah. guess. Tradition or something. Also, we said, also, he said ZTH who in a funny kind of like Star-Lord who sort of way. Can you believe that guy? I mean, who else has promoted Camden more than ZTH? Literally no one. We deserve a spot on their board of tourism. We do. We do. And a statue. And also, not to leave anyone out, 
He also writes to Alex. Alex, as a Baptist, I am compelled to tell you Chick-fil-A is God's country and the promised land of chicken. Repent of your dislike and be saved from other heretical chicken sandwiches. Your friend in KC, Bennett. Thank you, Bennett. As always, good times were had. It was good. Good. That was good stuff. He He hit all of the major players. He could have written to Hubert, but... He wouldn't have responded. Nope. <laughs> Rest in peace, buddy. Always in our hearts. If you want to be like Bennett and send us a cool email, you can do that to zthpodcast at gmail.com. Boom. boom! I feel like I 50% hit them up just so you guys can boom at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's nice that me and Sigwell don't have to look at each other anymore. No, we got it. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you got the timing down so and everything. I said a few. I'm like, me and Corey have this. Nope. <laughs> yeah. But I, individually in both of your heads, you're like, three, two, one, boom. boom. <laughs> so let's do the other movies that we've been watching this week. Hey, Corey, what'd you watch this week? Yeah, it has been a light week for me, watching a lot of things on repeat so I can actually get work done in the background. But I did spend some time flipping through Netflix, and the one thing that's new that I finished was Evil Genius. I know we started watching oh, yeah. it as a, <laughs> as a group, and we just never finished it. No. I only watched the first episode or... Two, two episodes? Watched, first two episodes. Two episodes. Yeah. We, we watched one episode kind of individually at the same time, and then we all hit play on episode two at the same time. Right. And we never finished it. And I was flipping through, and it was still on, and it probably popped up because I had watched Making Murder Season 2, which yeah. was supremely disappointing. The longer I watched it, the less impressed I was with it. But the third episode was a lot like the second one, where it was like lackluster and frankly kind of was whatever. But the last, the last line was like, but then, it was like, a, like a but then statement, I was like, you motherfucker, you knew you had me with that line. So I watched the fourth episode. It's like, that's the whole design of the show. Yeah. The fourth episode of that show is actually pretty fucking interesting. Yeah, you don't, if you're not interested in true crime, don't bother. If you are, unfortunately, you're just going to have to suffer through episodes two and three. Episode one was good. Episode one hooked me. Episode one was crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they <laughs> showed the they... footage. Yeah, that was that fucked. Yeah. <laughs> um, episode four, they do a lot, a lot of interviews with that woman. Um, the the essentially the person that he's reporting on. Um, a lot of interviews with her. A lot of interviews with other people around, like associated with the crime, and the shit that comes out is pretty fucking wild. So, I mean, it's interesting. It was it was an interesting ending, at least. So past that, though, I really don't have any other new What Have, what have I Been Watching. Sorry, I guess. It's okay. okay. It's fine. Sequel's back to share with us a list he brought of things that he watched. Yeah, he has had a week off, so it's a good thing mine was light. So, yeah, I watched a ton of stuff, but if I talked about it previously, I'm not going to bring it up. At all. At all. Apparently. It's not happening. Hey, There's one hard. question mark on here. I'm not sure if I mentioned it. Previously, but I'm an AMC Stubbs A-list member now, hey! so I get to go back to the movies. Ooh. Worth it? A lot of fun. Yeah, of so course good. it's worth it. Oh my god! And I'm such a pompous dick when I go to the movies now. <laughs> I take up three seats. <laughs> like I go to like the the gold ropes for concessions. Oh yeah, and yeah. smalls count as larges apparently. Really? It's, yeah, it's crazy. Like, I gotta well, sign up for this shit. We have to sign up for that shit this month because they're gonna jump it up yeah. next month, right? Well, you're locked in for 2019 if you sign up before December 31st at $20 a month. They're probably going to raise it to like $25 a month. Well, that's not the end of the world, though. No. no, but I'll probably still, still try to do it. Yeah. I need to cancel movie pass. 
You want to cancel movies? I'm an asshole when it comes to canceling things. I guess. I mean, maybe, but I seriously, just, stop I'm, giving them those people your money. I just set my money on fire, apparently. Anyway, go on. So, being I don't like going to the movies with a lot of people because they're so loud and annoying and I hear everything around me, I go at odd times, so I'm pretty dependent on what's playing at the time I feel like going to the movies. So I saw Can You Ever Forgive Me? Is that the Melissa McCarthy one? Yes. That was really good. I think that she's going to get nominated for Best Actress. Oh, is that, that's the one where she that's plays a like a... forgery uh, one. Yeah. 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 Lee Israel is the uh, author she's portraying. And she is a struggling author who decides to make money by forging letters from more famous writers than she is. Like um, Harper Lee, I think, is one of a couple of others. And uh, yeah, it's pretty much her life of crime in the hmm. early 90s. And it's it's pretty interesting, like how deep she gets and what she does, and uh, it's it's definitely worth a watch. I was the youngest person in the theater by about 80 years, I feel. Wow. <laughs> Everyone, you got some record breakers in that theater. One, it was, one tens and up. And it was like the small theater, too. And it was actually kind of crowded, but it was weird. So I like to sit on the aisle now, because if I'm in the middle, more people are inclined to sit behind me. I've always been an aisle man myself. Every row was almost full, except for mine. I was the only one in it, and I just think it's because they didn't want to ask me to, like, move to get by me, <laughs> which I would have been, been gladly been, like, willing to do. I fully expected it, but just nobody did. It was, just, it was really weird. So I'm like, yeah, this is kind of cool, so I put my jacket across a couple of other seats and just, like, stretched out and relaxed. It's kind of weird. Yeah. But it was a good movie. Definitely, uh, it's probably not going to be in theaters very long. I don't think uh, it's putting up big box office numbers, but... Uh, no. I, guess, I saw a commercial. Watch. I think I saw a preview for it once, maybe twice, and I think that was in theater. I, don't, I have not seen a single on TV trailer I'm, for this movie. I'm a sucker for movies where like comedic actors try their hat at the at a serious role, and she does a pretty good job with it. So uh, I hate her comedy in most movies. So I feel like I'd be more apt to watch her in a movie where it wasn't stupid comedy. I don't like her comedic roles when she's the lead. As a secondary character, yeah, I think yeah. she's, she's really fucking like she, rides me. She, she can't cool. carry a movie for me. No. She, she just can't. I would agree as with a, that assessment. A, for a comedy. I, f- I fucking love The Heat. I think that's one of the funniest fucking movies of the last... Like, the Heat's good. The I've heat's... never seen The Heat. Oh my yes. god. And she... But the thing is, like, I, I, I think would... my biggest issue with Melissa McCarthy is that she has a style. She has a comedic timing, which most com- comedians do. I'll, I'll give you that. But, like, whatever it is that makes her Melissa McCarthy... It is the same fucking character over and over and over again, and that does wear. But in the heat, for whatever reason, her and Sandra Bullock just fucking click, and I love that movie. Yeah, she needs someone to click with. Yeah. Like, that's that's a more of a duo movie, right? Yeah. Like, like Tammy was bad with her as a lead. And, I saw uh, the boss. That oh, was the boss fucking is, terrible. The boss is gross. <laughs> I think I watched 45 minutes of that movie. That's too there's, many. There's one where she's it like, is. uh... Becomes like a secret agent too. I forgot oh, what it's called. It. It's Jason, Jason Statham. Statham. Yeah, so bad. Is that I Spy? I no. think that's yeah. the Spy. The Spy. Or the, the Spy. Yeah. Apparently, everything she's in is just the and Harriet the Spy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that movie. Uh, the next movie I saw in the theaters was Widows. Widows is fantastic. That looked really interesting. Yeah, I loved good. it. I didn't know Liam Neeson was in it. So he's, in the, he's in the preview. Yeah, but I just I never I made the connection. Him? Yeah, is he the old Viola Davis's husband? Yes. Okay. Oh, so he's dead for most of it then. 
Or in prison, right? You saw I'm not going to give anything away. Okay. Well, the, prim- the premise of the movie, like, if you... All their husbands either died or went to prison, I think. Right. Yeah. So he's either one of the two. Got yeah. yeah. Okay, I just, I don't want to give anything away. No, that's right, that's Colin Farrell's on it. Does a great job. It's 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 a oh, interesting it's a interesting concept where you have kind of two evil forces and you're kind of pitting one against another. And then like the the, the group of widows is like caught between the two of them. It's really interesting in that regard. And it's some of the best camera work. Like you especially for a heist movie. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a movie where they ha- you know with the getaway van. You have like a first person's perspective from inside the van. Oh, that's cool. From like during a pursuit, you get that like twice, and you want it to go on for like an hour. It is so good. It's it's. uh, Well, I'm not a big Viola Davis fan, but it is very well acted, and uh, yeah, definitely worth seeing. It's it's top notch. You get like fifteen to thirty seconds of the the shot that you're talking about in Baby Driver. Uh, yeah. Like fit, but I mean like fifteen thirty seconds total, and the movie is literally about the driver. No, I like I like Baby Driver a lot, but this is like it's movie. from the from like their eyes. Like it's. I not, think you get that a little bit from Baby Driver. I don't I don't recall, but uh, no, definitely worth worth checking. A lot right. a couple different twists and turns in there too. That so you it's a good heist movie. The heist itself, nah, but uh, everything out the story around it, very good. Cool. All right. Um, that is that is definitely one of the things I want to see soon. Yeah, yeah, check it out. I'm, it should be in theaters for... It's probably a few more weeks. Yeah, definitely. It's alright, guys. I got that long, long Thanksgiving break right now. Man. Shut up. Go. <laughs> Sorry, I love you. I watched um, Wind I River. What? Wind what River. Have you guys seen that one? Mm-hmm. So, Taylor Sheridan wrote it, and he also wrote Sicario and um, Hell or High Water. Uh, this has Jeremy Renner in it, and it's about... Um, a a murder takes place in I believe they're in I want to get it right I think they're in a, on an Indian reservation in Wyoming I want to say not entirely sure on the location I should I watched it like two weeks ago so I'm a little, a little fuzzy with the location but um it is really good really compelling Elizabeth Olsen is an FBI agent going out there to investigate it and they can't for some technicality they can't call it a murder because that's the cause of death is it's it's uh, it's a little fuzzy so that she can't request an FBI team to come out to investigate it she has to do it by herself and Jeremy Renner is like works for like the Parks Department. Oh my God! I saw previews for this. Somewhere. Yeah, this it's on Netflix right now. It's really good. If you like Hell or High Water and you like Sicario, check this out. It's in the same. Uh, what style. is this called again? Wind River. Yeah, it's uh, it's really good. Shane from The Walking Dead's in it for like a couple of seconds, but <laughs> you mean The Punisher? Sure. <laughs> I don't watch The Punisher. Oh, John Bernthal. Yeah. Oh, okay. But um. Yeah, it's uh, no, it was it was definitely good. If you if you like the other two movies online, they call it like an unofficial trilogy because they came out like a year apart, and it might all take place in the same universe. Who he had knows? a good stretch, but yeah, he did. He actually directed this too, so it's just, I think it's his uh, feature debut. directorial debut. He has a couple other credits, but I think they're short films or something that didn't really go uh, didn't go that far. But um, I watched Gravity. I'm not. That's the one. I'm not sure if I talked about before. I can't recall if you. I don't remember. Either. Yeah, I love that movie. That movie's very. That weird. is like, story wise, you know, it's pretty like cookie cutter. It's straightforward, but like visually, it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's stunning. That's that's one of the most visually pleasing movies I've ever seen. The thing, 
talk, going back to the cookie cutterness of the movie, mm-hmm. it's very castaway, right? Where it, it all the, these movies rely very literally solely on whoever that main person is. Castaway, that movie is reliant on Tom Hanks' skill. Gravity is reliant on Sandra Bullock's skill. Right. George Clooney is in there for the scenes that he's scenes. in there. Yeah. But like it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, that movie's it, it is. It's visually stunning. It's visually stunning. Like for plot wise, it's basic. I don't really care about what's going on. I just want to like see everything like like around and like take it all in. There's it's that, it's really good. There's the moment where she's essentially curled in the fetal position in zero gravity. Yeah. Like weeping, like crying. And like that, for whatever reason, that just that level of helplessness. Mm-hmm. Like, at least she's safe and like inside. But like, I like that's just such a powerful like how visually powerful that moment is 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 incredible. I'd say it's the movie where space looks the best. I, I it's just hard to quantify that. But like, if, if when people like to say a space movie, I think of that one immediately. Just like from where they are, and like just the way the stars look, and the the Earth and the horizon, like like in the background, it looks really really cool. I would certainly say it's probably the one that sounds the best. So so like you know the vacuum of space is no real sound. No, and they they, they execute that. They execute that very really well. well. Yeah, but you know even people that have been in space is like yeah, there's no sound, but like no sound is almost a relative term. Like you can still hear. Things like if you tap, like if you tap on your helmet, you'll hear that and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like they do a really good job at almost messing up your equilibrium and letting those things come through. So that's always good. And lastly, I watched Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I fucking love that movie. It's the part of fan. third time I've seen it. It's such an original idea. I that's that's love everything about that movie, top to bottom. I fell in love. I, I fell in love with that movie, and then found out that Montauk was on Long Island. All right. Oh yeah, you're one of those. <laughs> I'm not from not Long from Island. Here. That's I, what I meant by I'm one of those. I, yeah, I'm from Long Island. See, I forget sometimes because yeah. it feels like you've been here forever. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, I am not from Long Island. I fell in love with this movie. Me and my best friend growing up have the same taste in movies where it's relatively eclectic but when we get like a really good quote unquote chick flick drama we like fall in love with it like really really impassionate about that type of movie um so he texted me when it shortly after it came out and was like dude Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind go watch it now and I've been in love with that movie ever since you're right entirely original idea Yes, the fact that it's it's two people that went to the same place to forget about each other, and then they meet up again, and it's like they show the beginning at the end, it's at the end, or the end at the beginning, I should say, and then it's well, almost just, the end. Yeah, it's so it's it's uh yeah it's it's a trip, man. Again, that's um that, that that's quite the job by uh, Jim Carrey and uh, Kate Winslet in that film. He Jim Carrey is one of two comedy actors, at least in my lifetime, that I can confidently say have produced work that is just as good dramatically as they have comedically. The only other one being Robin Williams. 
I mean, there are definitely more. No, I'm, I'm not I saying... Can't, I can't tell you I'm not saying that there right aren't now. more. I'm saying, like, if I was, like, top two, like, the best comedians during the drama, those are my top two. Undoubtedly. Between Goodwill Hunting and, um... What Dreams May Come and things like Eternal Sunshine. That's, that's later Robin Williams, too, because yeah. he was in Awakenings. He was an Academy Award winner for that. Uh, um, one Hour Photo he was in, which was... Yeah, that's that, again, that's, that's, that's like weird, your, your yeah. like late 90s, post-2000s. Like, Dead Poet Society was in He was a serious oh actor from, like, mid-80s, Society. That's mid-80s right. on. Yeah. He was, like, a hybrid. He just mixed serious and comedy roles. Well, again, it's he was a stand-up comedian, and it's easier to break into, like television and movies through comedies because think of how many comedies come out well that's what you want on television I mean well not so much anymore but not so much anymore in the past they came up with a bunch of comedies yeah I mean technically speaking television's supposed to like be lighthearted and take your mind off of the shittiness of your day so people shouldn't theoretically want to go home and watch a drama about a bunch of people running a hospital, but... That was the era of sitcoms, and now we're into the era of long-form dramatic television. Yeah, we are. And binging. Thank you, Better Call Saul. That's it. Because that started it. No. (laughs) It's continuing it, for sure. That's that's it for my... You're done with your note? I'm done. We're good. Alright. I only watched a couple of things. I mean, the first thing, critically acclaimed movie... That everyone is clamoring about how much they love. I watched Never Back Down. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for this. That movie's so fucking stupid. <laughs> it's 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 a movie made up of a bunch of individual stupid ideas that combined into a dumb movie, and I kind of loved it. Right? <laughs> like like there's no reason at all I should have enjoyed this movie, but I thoroughly did. Oh, uh, whenever I see Frank, we quote it nonstop. I'm sh- I know I've seen uh, you guys do it a little bit. But go just- home, Jake. Because I have a home. What did you say? That's <laughs> the back and forth between those two characters. <laughs> Jimon Hansu and guy who's never been in anything else. Yeah, I call him like young buff Tom Cruise. I don't know because his smile like has very Tom Cruise esque to me. He's got some Tom Cruise. He's got some Cruisian features, right? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, the the villain Ryan in that. His interactions with his dad. That's one that my, was, That's the weirdest scene <laughs> in the world. That's one of my favorite. Come have a drink with me. Dad, we're good. <laughs> you want to talk tough to me in front of your friends? To be the best, you have to be, be the best. best. Where did that inspirational quote come from? <laughs> Classic. Classic Ric Flair. Uh, oh, it's, so, it's, so, it's so bad, but it's amazing. Oh, man. It's on Amazon Prime if you want to watch it and have a clue what the hell we're talking the about. The last, the fight at the end, too, I've always, like, felt bad for Ryan, because he doesn't have sneakers on, <laughs> and I feel... They're <laughs> fighting on the blacktop, it doesn't matter. I... Yes, it does! <laughs> it's a it's an incredibly awful idea, regardless of whether or not you have shoes. But when he storms out there and they're fighting, I'm like, oh man, he must be incredibly uncomfortable. He's got to be stepping in all that sand. And it's probably gravelly. <laughs> it's probably gravelly. That kid's a fucking psychopath, by the way. I hate... He is. Like, like the end of the movie when he does him a little head nod like to have respect for each other. What? That kid's a, that kid's a psychopath. He almost... Mur- you know, I can't. That's I don't want to. I don't want to spoil this, but just this plot-heavy movie. Do what? You want to tap out. Never. 
Unless my rivals left the building and then immediately. <laughs> there was, there's one other scene too that the brunette that Ryan's kind of dating after Amber Heard. I like, don't remember seeing a girl with him at all after that. But what's Amber Heard's character's name in that too? It's no idea. Malibu or some shit. Oh, it's oh shit. <laughs> it's something dumb like it's that. It's really dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Maui? No, it's, uh... Aloha? <laughs> Aloha. Jesus Christ. It actually, it, Malibu might be close. Or it might actually be Malibu. Now I'm thinking about it. My phone is slow as shit. Yeah, Ever back same. down. And there's, like, more of these, but they're not related. No, they're not at all. I've it's never seen any other ones. Baja. It's Baja. Baja. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Baja Fish Taco. Amber Heard. She's named <laughs> after one of the entrees at Taco Bell. Oh. So there's a... Or the Mountain Dew. It was like her friend that Ryan's hanging out with now that Baja's like doesn't want to be with him anymore. Okay. There's there's rumors about the main character, Jake Tyler, most generic action movie yep. name ever. <laughs> Jake Everyman. Exactly. Where uh, they're like, oh, they're, oh, we hear Jake's training for the B-Town. Oh, is that a fact? That's what Ryan says. And then like his, his girlfriend's like, yeah... Here he's trying to beat your ass, and then like the tone switches, oh, yeah. and I'm like, oh my god, Ryan's gonna murder you. Oh, that's true. I rem- okay, I remember that. Now. He has his face. I'm like, I'm gonna beat, beat you, the, sh- <laughs> the shit out of you for saying that. I'm like, oh, she's gonna get choked out in the next scene. Oh. <laughs> choked out in the next scene. We're not making light of uh, domestic no, violence. No, not here, at all. But... It's like a shocking moment. Yeah. You're, you're literally afraid for this person. <laughs> Nothing. But happens. it's it's just such a ridiculous like. <laughs> construct in the movie that yeah. you have to laugh because it's it takes such a turn so fast the hottest five percent high school students if you want to call them that in the world go to oh, this yeah. high school they're all beautiful and they all just love to fight each other yeah. regardless of gender <laughs> social standing <laughs> they're all equal i guess Except for their fighting moves. Joe, do you remember going to, like, elaborate parties in high school where they had hot tubs full of bubbles and the girls were just inviting you in? I sure as hell don't. I went really? to you the... Didn't have a I went to the wrong high school. Apparently. I want to go to that high school now. Yeah. What? <laughs> what else have you been watching? <laughs> Next... <laughs> I watched a movie that's actually critically acclaimed. I watched The Godfather Part 2. Wow, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, you watched the first one last week. Yes. Loved so, it? It's, it's liked good. It. It's very good. Uh, my hot take is that Godfather 1 is better. Okay. I liked it. I liked not... it. Or not necessarily better, but I liked it better. Godfather 2 is all over the place because it's... of the time jumps, and then the time jumps in between even the same storyline. It's not a hot take, because a lot of people... Like Godfather 2, strictly for the flashback parts of it. No That's one, the better part of the movie. No one really gives a crap about Cuba in the, in that no, movie. Yeah. yeah, it's like... Cuba? Yeah. Dividing Cuba. Oh, okay. That's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. main plot. I got you. I don't understand what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That's, with Hyman yeah, and... The, the Nero flashbacks are the high point of that movie. For oh, sure. Yeah. Young Vito. One just, like, if I'm going to watch one over again... It's gonna be Godfather One. Yeah, then you get you're like rooting for Michael in Godfather One. Yeah, Godfather, Godfather Two, two Michael's so awful. evil. Yeah, no, he's yeah. awful. Um, now that you've seen the first, there's no need to watch three. I'm gonna because it's okay. on Netflix. Okay, and it's short. Also, three and a half hours long. Jesus Christ. Yeah, 
Go on. You don't have to do it. But there is something Mm -hmm. that exists. It used to be on HBO Go. I'm not sure if it's on there anymore. It's called The Godfather Saga. Wait a little while before you watch it because you just watch one and two. It's the it's Godfather one and two chronologically. So it starts. So it with, starts with De Niro. It's, yes, okay. well, it's actually with young Vito, yeah, like yeah. really young Vito. It turns into oh, yeah, De Niro, yeah. and then it goes all the way through. And there's a couple of extra scenes that I guess they're deleted scenes that they threw in that tells a story like you meet a young Hyman Roth. And uh, the Godfather. Okay. Side. It's only for a couple scenes. And it's only the first two Godfathers. It doesn't no, take into no. account the third one. Because the third one, there's no flashback, flash forward. There's no point. Gotcha. They, they don't throw it in there at all. It's like six or seven hours long. Yeah, that's going to be a while before I even attempt watching that one. It yeah. is my favorite aspect. But I shut it off as soon as I got the Cuba. <laughs> <laughs> you know what happens from there. Pr- pretty much. Not that great. That's my favorite version of it, though. It sounds like a better just because it's really. Like, it takes me out of it, the jumping around, and it's not even the going back and forth between young Vito and Michael. It's the fact that time has jumped. Like, when we go back to the Michael storyline, all of a sudden he's in court. Yes. And they're having a trial against him. Like, when the hell did this happen? There was no talk of this. Yeah, the the, the skill to, like, chop up a movie and not show it chronologically is a very unique skill that very few people have ever been able to master. It was not yet perfected in the 70s. It was not, no. Quentin Tarantino only kind of mastered it, in my opinion. And he's the guy who does it by far the most. That's kind of his thing. It is definitely his thing, but like even like some of his movies when he does I'm just like, this is too goddamn much. Plus, in part two, my two favorite characters, one is just, just like really dialed down, and the other one's not in there at all. I love Clemenza in the first one. He's like my favorite. He was like uh, I don't remember who Clemenza is. I just watched this. This is sad. There's just too many characters. He's the one in part one that kills Polly. He says, "Leave the gun, take the cannoli." Okay. Yeah, he's not in. It. He was supposed. Oh to, yeah, he's not in that. No, he, it's he's rep- he was supposed to. Oh, play, he's the cook. I liked him. Yeah, yeah. He was supposed to play the part of uh, the guy's name. Excuse me. Part two, the one that um, commits suicide in the bathtub. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't remember his name. That was supposed to be yeah, Clemenza, yeah. but the actor wanted too much money or something. And I love Tom Hagen. I, I do, yeah. I think I think uh, it's James Conn, right? No, that's, 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 Conn. that's, that's Sonny. It's uh, Robert Duvall. Uh, Robert Duvall. Yes. I think he's the best part of part two. Yeah, uh, he's my favorite character. He's my, my favorite, favorite character one. probably in the whole in the series so yeah. far. Yeah. So you would have been excited for three because originally part three was going to be, be a power struggle between Michael and Hagen, and it was it was going to be that sounds really interesting to me. I'm like I'm all about that because Hagen has no Italian blood in him at all, and he's going to try to like run the family. I'm like, all right, that's going to be really cool. Duvall wanted the same amount of money as Al Pacino, and the studio said no, so he said, all right, go scratch, and then they came out with this. <laughs> they came out with three. Yes. So, uh, not nah, cool, man. Glad you liked it. I'm glad I finally watched The Godfathers 1 and 2. It's funny that it's going to be on Thanksgiving all day on AMC. <laughs> now I don't have to watch it. <laughs> it's true. I wasn't going to. I w- the movie like that would <coughs> excuse me. I would never watch with commercials. That would just make it even more insufferably oh, yeah. long. Yeah. yeah, I think they're four hours oh. each. Yeah, I can't. I can't long. do that to myself. Like in the movies, that's just such a pace where, like, at any time, like, you pump the brakes on that and show me something that's not it. Yeah. I'm. I'm out. I've lost interest. Turn literally anything else on. I, I can't. I, I have to watch that. Sans commercials. 
there's one scene in part two in Cuba that I really like, though, is when they're cutting up the cake. And it's a cake in the shape of Cuba. Yeah. So it's all like these mafia heads dividing Cuba. Essentially, it's like a metaphor for that. And, like, Michael gets a piece, and it's, like, smaller than all the others. And there's a look of disgust in his face, like, I'm going to get a bigger piece of this one. <laughs> <laughs> the original one I thought was happening, because I was watching really closely to make mm-hmm. sure Hyman Roth ate the cake, because I thought he was going to poison everyone oh, with really? the cake. Oh, because originally he takes them all out. Too big of a piece. I don't want that one. Yeah, yeah, and then he like puts the cake down and never eats it when he's talking to Michael. I'm like, they're all gonna die, or like Michael's gonna survive, obviously, because mm-hmm. it's too early in the movie for him to die. Right. But it was just like, is he pulling a Gus Fring right now? Before Gus Fring was even a concept. Whoa. <laughs> Mind blown. That would have been so crazy. Uh, so that was the Godfather part two. We spent enough time. Talking about, so I'm just gonna wrap up my what you've been watching pretty quickly. I watched a pretty mindless, just comedy movie. It's a Netflix original. It's called Take the Ten. It's got Josh Peck in it. It's got the guy who played Flash Thompson from Homecoming in it. It's got a bunch of other cameos with people like Andy Samberg. And it was like, shut your brain off and just enjoy this hour and a half. Or actually, it was like 80 minutes long. So it was a perfect nice. counterpoint to the three and a half hours I spent watching Godfather 2. It was enjoyable. So recommend that if you just want a kind of a mindless movie. It's fun. And, yeah, that's what we've been watching. Let's do the movie facts quickly for X2, which came out in 2003, rated PG-13, two hours, 14 minutes long. Its director's name is Brian Singer, who also brought us The Usual Suspects, Apt Pupil, The First X-Men, Superman Returns, Valkyrie, Jack the Giant Slayer, X-Men Days of Future Past, and X-Men Apocalypse, and then, most recently, Bohemian Rhapsody, that we all saw together. 90% of Bohemian Rhapsody. 90% 90% of it. Some <laughs> large percent of Bohemian Rhapsody. X2 stars Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ian McKellen, Halle Berry, Famke Jansen, I don't know if I'm saying her name right, James Marsden, Rebecca Romaine, Brian Cox, Alan Cumming, Bruce Davison, Anna Paquin, Sean Ashmore, and Aaron Stanford. It was budgeted at $110 million. It ended up grossing $407 million. $214 million domestic. Alright, it made some money. The scores are actually reasonably consistent. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes coming in at 85%. Certified fresh. Audience also 85%. IMDb 7.5 out of 10. Metacritic 68 with a user score of 8.8. In the ballpark. Yeah, same range. Wasn't nominated for any Oscars, which is the only words I mentioned here, so those are the movie facts. Let's talk about how we felt about it. Spoil, not spoilery. Mr. Sequel, you're up. But I like this movie a lot. It's my second favorite X-Men movie. I love the concept of these movies where it's like the lesser of two evils working with, like with one another. Like it's again, you have your heroes, you're rooting for them, but you also have like an, another opposing force that kind of want the same thing but differently and i always love that dynamic about these movies it's i haven't seen it in a while like it's been a been been a couple years so uh it was nice it was a refreshing watching this one especially compared to a lot of the crappier ones that are <laughs> that, that, that follow this is this actually um the x-men was at his at its ascension when this came out it was definitely a step above one and then three happens i think the, oh no, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it might be the best one, really. Best X-Men movie? Yeah. Do you count Logan? No. I count Logan. Okay. Then second best X-Men <laughs> okay. movie. 
in that, uh, those, in that are, scenario. Are those your thoughts, or you want to? <laughs> no, I'll explain. I'll, I'll explain <laughs> slightly. My only uh, expansion on that um, is that I did find it to be a touch long this time around. I don't think I've ever felt like any X Men movie was like too long. I'll agree, I agree with that. For I was, some reason, two hours and fifteen minutes watching this, I was like, "This feels long to me." And, and I enjoy, I enjoyed it a lot, but maybe because I had like right before I clicked on it, I saw two hours fourteen minutes, so I I cognitively knew how long this movie was. And then it got to moments where I was like, "Nah, just scrap this shit. Just condense it. Maybe just do something. Shave off ten minutes of this movie." But otherwise, it, it is a really, really good, enjoyable watch. Yeah, I think this is probably either the third or fourth best X-Men movie. I mean, it's, it's definitely fourth if you count Logan. I do not count Logan as an X-Men movie. 90 to 95% of this movie is very good. There's a couple of things that I absolutely hate about this movie, but that's also because I'm so close to the X-Men and can't remove myself from it. That's one thing, really, and then there's one objectively bad thing about this movie that I wish I didn't do. I'll get into that in spoilers, but otherwise, it's a very solid X-Men movie, and one of the better ones that we get. From here on out, we're spoiling X2. If you haven't seen X2, X-Men United, X-Men 2, whoever it's known in your circle of friends, and you don't want to know what happens, check it out before continuing into the episode. You've been warned, we're going to spoil things starting now, let's go. The best thing that this movie does, in my personal opinion, is that it doesn't strictly follow the stuff that was laid out in X-Men 1. Like, they they still continue on the same philosophical path that X-Men, that the original X-Men has, where it's like, yeah, humans are kind of against you, but yeah, there's a group of really bad mutants. Going back to what Sequel said in his opening remarks, like, you almost side with Magneto for a substantial portion of this movie. Like, up until the last half hour of this movie, I am all Magneto. And then, about five minutes after that, I'm back on Magneto's side. I'm on Magneto's side for 90, 95% of this movie. When you meet Iceman's family, I'm like, yeah. I am the pro-Magneto. Oh, the, <laughs> they are the fucking worst right. family. Yeah. yeah, you know what? And, and it's like, it's it's part that social commentary, right? It really is. It, it's like, it's such, it's, and they don't, honestly, they don't try to sugarcoat it at all. Nope. They're saying, hey, mutant equals any type of non-binary sexuality. Yes. Like, 100%. Have you ever tried not being a mutant? Um, bitch, I turn things into ice. I don't think I can just not turn things into ice anymore. There's even a line of, can we cure what you have? Like, yeah. that's, wow, that's, There's that's so a hot-button topic. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. In this, I feel like X-Men especially can be any marginalized group. I think that's one of the things that the that's, X-Men... That's exactly, they're a blank slate for any... Any marginalized group. group, yeah. And in X2, they really leaned into the non-heterogeneous sexual orientation side of it. It's it's literally a perfect encapsulation of if you're into any weird fetishes, if you're gay or bisexual, like you can find something in everything set like in in, in terms of sexuality in this X-Men movie. That scene yeah. specifically. 
And that scene specifically. Like, I would like to say it's over-exaggerated. I'd say that's fair. But I'm not sure that it is. Like, I'm not sure that this doesn't didn't actually happen to people or doesn't actually... Because, like, this is your son of, like, 15, 16 fucking years, and you find out he's a mutant, and you're like, nope... I have no son. Get, get the. F- I'm calling the cops. You're done. Well, you it's, the, it's, the, it's the younger brother. The brother's a dickhead. Yes, the brother's a douche. But like, can't you... Going back to what you were saying, can you, can you envision a, a boy coming home from a school saying, going, Mom, Dad, I, I'm gay. And them having the exact same reaction, right? Like, the brother's storming off and... Yeah. Not calling the police, obviously. I can. That's why, that's why I'm saying it's, yeah. it's sadly probably not over-exaggerated. Yeah, it's probably... Uh. But that's just that's just sad to me. Like, that infuriated yes. me. The fact that they were like, well, we're going to lock up our son now because he's a mutant. I'm like, mm-hmm. are you fucking serious? Well, the thing is, like, you don't... The, the only thing about that scene that gives me any hope at all is that the parent the parents don't really have anything to do with it one way or the other. They don't, but they don't really seem they that don't, broken they up don't about the fact that Trey called the cops or whatever. They don't, yeah. No, they, they're almost on his side, yeah. I would feel. They, no, no, they outward, Outwardly, they're, they're trying to be neutral, I feel. They don't let the cops in when they're at the back door, right? Well, I mean, the cops kind of just... It's like a SWAT yeah, team. They just, just kind of do yeah. what they well, there, there's need a, to there's, do. There's a couple of, uh, I mean, it's not very long by any means, but there's a couple of moments where the cops are like, hey, let us in, and the parents, and yes, you can make an argument that it's just shock. They also don't know that the cops have been called. No, they don't. They don't. But the cops show up, they're saying, hey, let us in, and they don't immediately go to the door and let them in. Now, it could be shock, or it could be, I don't know what to do here. But then at the end, when they're up in the top window, and they're like holding on to their one son that's left... You know, they're good son, that they're, they're still love. good son, yeah, like, that was, that's the moment to me. And, like, it's, it's, un, it sucks because those two people aren't inherently the bad guys. Like, I could see being like, oh, those seem like good parents. They seemed a lot better a half hour prior. Yes. Now, I just felt that they were being like, okay, this is the situation we're in now, this is our reaction... Internally, they're probably screaming. Sure, but sure. Outwardly, they're they're trying to stay yeah. calm about everything. It's just really, but you got to think too. Just not not to take their side. They're coming home. There's a lot of strange people in their home, and they just got this bomb dropped on them. So you know, I get fr- that from that perspective, it could have went a lot worse. It is really the brother that's. Uh, yeah, the brother's storming off and calling the cops yes. was, was kind of the dick move there, right? But I guess there is a chance that they work it out if he doesn't do that or figure things out. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, it, it, it comes back to that whole concept of, like, have you tried, like, the have you tried not being a mutant? Well, yeah, that's obviously what they're going for yes. with that. And, and for me, like, that's honestly one probably the mo- the most infuriate there's a couple of really mean hurtful lines in this movie yeah. but that one i think hurt me the most like bitch if he could not be a mutant he probably wouldn't have he, he didn't wake up one morning and say you know what i think i want to turn everything i touch into pure solid ice i i highly doubt that's what that Only kid when woke he wants up to well, yeah, but... He was one of the lucky ones who can control it. Yeah, but even still, like, there was probably a time where he couldn't. 
And again, like, the answer to that question is technically yes. Like, outside of the times that I'm touching whatever it is to make it ice, I'm not a mutant. I'm just telling you the truth. And you're still acting like this? Like, it, yeah. it's just such a bothersome thing. Like, no 14, 15, 16-year-old kid wakes up one morning and decides, I am going to be in the most hated group of humans on the planet. It's just interesting to me, and I don't mean to get totally off track with this, but I do feel it applies. Like, I couldn't help but not but think of the, like, the Harry Potter universe. Like, there are kids that are quote-unquote muggles. They're, they're, you know, it's their everyday life. They have certain abilities. They don't know what's going on, and they find out they have, they have this magic in them. And they get accepted to this school, right? And some parents celebrate that. Wow, my child has special abilities. This is really cool. Others are shunned or they know there's something wrong with you. But at least they have a separate place to go to. Like, I understand... the X-Men. No, but the X-Men have a school. They have their whole other magical world. Actually, yeah, that's true. There is no, like, mutant world. There's no mutant alley. Exactly. And as good as Xavier's school for gifted youngsters is doing, think about what happens when X puts on... uh, when Xavier puts on Cerebro. Like, there's way more mutants out there than he will ever have accepted into his school. Exactly. Well, yeah, and it's, it's a really hard thing to do. For sure. But, like, again, going back to the Harry Potter thing, like, if you get a letter from one of the wizarding schools because you have magic in you, there's an entire universe, and if you never go back to the real world... There's no real world, really, to go back to. I mean, you go to school, you uh, graduate... Um, you know, we, we only are privy to the years in which there was a war going on, so everything's kind of skewed. But you go to school, you do your seven years, you graduate, you get a job in the magical world, and that's it. That's your world, that's your identity now. Like, X-Men, you're not of school age anymore. What do you do? You become a professor. I guess, right? But, like, let's An say... Art professor. Let's say Xavier's school, like, again, there's a constant battle, constant war going on. Let's just say there wasn't. You... Finish school, you go into hiding. Like, how many people, like, like mutant people, can they house? Like, it's, uh, you know, this is just it makes you think. Well, I guess, I mean, in a weird way, I think what Xavier's school really is trying to do, and they don't really bring this up, and I don't know how it is in the comic books, but as far as the movie franchise is concerned, it seems like outside of normal make sure you can pass the state exam school. The other side of Xavier's school is learn how to control your power so that you're not you're not e- like necessarily easily found, right? You can control it so that you're not a you're not a danger to anybody else in society. That's the main part. It's, yeah. it's so people will accept mutants as not dangerous. Mm-hmm. And in the in the meantime, he's working to try to there's a lot of like politics that going into it. He's yeah. trying; they're fighting for equal rights, essentially. And of so. course, and I mean, of course, the X Men have the incredibly difficult task of fighting a war on two fronts, right? So they're fighting. And, and this and one, the Brotherhood. Yeah, they're fighting. Well, not necessarily in this one, but but in general, in yeah. the franchise, they're fighting the Brotherhood, Magneto, and then they're fighting the actual government the in one way. Or them. Yeah, that's the. Best aspect of it, though that's 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 what adds that dynamic. It's it's called X Men United, but they're not a united front. That's it's, they are briefly. Yes, they are briefly because they have the same 
They have goal at that point. There's a temporary truce. Right. And then the truce is broken because Magneto's a dickbag. Yep. Like, what's this? The enemy of my enemy is my friend. So yeah. it's, they, they have to unite. Well, I mean, for Charles f- and Eric are actually friends. Yeah, but... They're frenemies, for sure. They they are... They used to be very good friends. Yeah, they're friends with two very different yeah, it's, it's political the par- beliefs. Yeah, it's the, par- it's the parallel that's made all the time. It's Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. Yeah. For Xavier. And oh, Xavier. definitely. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's 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 an interesting... Kind of, and, I, and the way that they use Mystique and the way that they use Magneto in this film, especially, are super interesting. And honestly... I was excited to get done scenes with Logan or Rogue or Cyclops just to get to scenes... What scenes with Cyclops? <laughs> You're right. There's only, like, one and a half. That's a very good point. But, I mean, any scene with X-Men in general, I was, like, excited to be done those just to go back to follow the story of Magneto and Mystique in this. I think Mystique is a killer character in this movie. I love her role. It's just weird having the two different actresses play Mystique now in the X-Men universe. That is like... I I expect to see Jennifer Lawrence. Well, we have have older Mystique, Rebecca Romaine, and then we have younger Mystique. You know what? And and that's... So, there was a moment when... So, they they escape the house, they go to Bobby's, and they then escape custody there... The plane gets shot down, and they're in, like, the wood camp thing with Magneto and Mystique. Then there's the moment where... In the tent, right? Mystique comes into the tent, and first of all, the first thing that popped into my mind, I was like, you know what? I get there on two very opposite sides of of this battle, but I think they would make a power couple. I I think they make a very, very good couple. And then it brought me to my next thought, which is... How old is Mystique, actually? Is she another mutant that doesn't really age? Is she roughly the same age as Charles? According to what they've done in the movies, yes. Cinematically, that's that's what Cinematically, Cinematically. Cinematically, based on the movies they made after this one, yes, she's the same age as Xavier. So, that means that she also has the same sort of slow aging that Logan has. I mean, maybe she's blue... Her her true form is blue and scaly. I don't know what that true. looks like as she gets older. It's, it's, true. it's really hard to tell how old she is from the, an outward appearance that we have no knowledge of. Do you know canon-wise how old she's supposed no. to be? No. Okay. I can look that up, but I don't know. I'll look it up. I'm also interested. Um, either way, but then again, I mean, age, when it comes to Logan and age, I guess it doesn't really matter, especially cinematically, considering he's 250 years old-ish. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a pretty <laughs> dumb choice that they made in the movies. Um, it's not just the movies. Oh, that's that's real? He's, yeah, yeah. he's just old. Good for him. So, but yeah, I think that him and Mystique should have gotten together. That would be a weird Good. fucking couple. Maybe. Weird overall. It's not a poor choice for the movie, though, because that kind of ruins the whole dynamic he has with Phoenix. and That scene is super... She's over 100 years old. Okay. At some point. There it is. That's all I needed to know. I'll take it. That scene is weird for a couple reasons. Which so she, scene? I'm talking about overall. Like. No, no, I'm talking <laughs> about the, the, the tent scene. Okay. The tent scene where it, like, it, like, that set off that thought train in my head that was like, huh, I think that Logan and Mystique should be together. Wait, how old is Mystique? Does she age like a normal person or does she age like a Logan mutant? I don't know. 
that thought train. Anyways. I think he's still robbing the cradle, but she's not young. Yeah, that's right. And I don't think Because he's like 250. <laughs> Either of them aren't looking for anything long term here, man. No. This is the heat of the moment. You're right. You was the heat. Sorry. <laughs> um, but that, the, like, after she turns blue and says, "I, you know what I want, and then, like, starts, like, shape-shifting into all of the different females in this movie, the last one is fucking last, Rogue. The last one is Striker. Yeah. <laughs> the last female is Rogue. Fair. Which is the 16-year-old girl that you saved. Okay, creep. She doesn't know what he's into. Yeah. That's I mean, true. She's just guessing at this point. Or just messing with his head. And then she turns into Striker, yep. which really drives home that whole point of, like, the homoerotic nature of mutants in X2 specifically. Well, I mean, she... I wasn't thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, he's... I did, because she, she, she knows he wants answers, yes, so that's why she turned into Striker, not to make this weird... It, is, what, so easy, it is so him. easy to go there. Yeah, that's what he wants, like, in general. Yeah. It's not it what is, he wants at a sexual level. Yes, and it not, is Not that so, we know of. Yes. Well. And it is so easy to go there, and that's the way it, hit, it struck me in the moment. But again, there's just this... The way that the actor delivered the line, where it was like, "Or do you want this?" I was like, "Ah, that's that's not how you should deliver this. That's that's not that doesn't work as well here." And the the rogue image makes sense to me though, because there's obviously a connection more so from Rogue's side to Logan. Like yeah. she's more like in love with him, and he has a love for her. Yeah, probably it's not a platonic love, a, a, but a very platonic love. They do do the smart thing, which is like give us the one shot of the camera directly above Logan's face when she turns into Rogue, as if like we're looking through Mystique's eyes. Right, and he's got like this like. Almost creeped out, like, ew, what are you thinking? No, she's 16. It's like you see that in his face there. For she's a like second. my little daughter. It's yeah. it's a good choice because it shows there's this few people Logan cares about. Yeah. And, and the, the first two, she's definitely one of them. So like, it's, it's, it's fine that that yeah. image is there. Sure. I love the beginning of this movie. That's my favorite scene. Oh, like the op- not the I'm assuming the nightcrawler, the the night, nightcrawler uh, going through the White House. Nightcrawler, so I, I know you're talking about this scene, but Nightcrawler's so good in this movie. He's outstanding. Alan Cumming is fantastic. Yes, he's a fantastic Nightcrawler. So one of the guys I worked with uh, as an RA, his favorite comic book character, period, top to bottom, was Nightcrawler. He was obsessed with Nightcrawler, and he hated this character. Really? He hated it. And I asked him why, and he was like, it just doesn't hold true to this, this, or this. I'm like, alright, bro, scrap what's canon, you're getting a live-action Nightcrawler that looks this good. I, I'm sorry, this is as good as you were gonna get. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I was thrilled with it. I agree with your sentiment. And I, he's my favorite character in the movie, and because of his... Because of this movie, he's probably my favorite X-Men character. I just love his power. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see his side of it. If he's... if Prior to this, if... And you know everything about this character, mm-hmm. and they don't get it exactly the way you have it pictured in well, your yeah, mind, you're going to be disappointed. This is yeah. what happens to us fans when yes. they make things. Like, this true. is why I hate... Parts of the movies because of how Cyclops is dealt with. Oh my god! I can't stand that shit. That's yes. That's that would be my least favorite aspect of 
Cyclops, Cyclops is such a little bitch in all of these movies. Why do they do that? I don't know. He's, he's like the leader, ve- right? He's such an important character, and yeah. he's nothing in these movies. No, yeah. He exists only to make Wolverine seem awesome. Which, by the way, Wolverine is a huge douchebag in this movie. Well, he's very selfish in this movie. He's very this selfish. Movie. He's constantly trying to hit on Jean Grey. I know that's he's like cares for her, but she is faithfully and devotedly married to Cyclops outside of don't nothing happens in the third movie and the, this weird kiss thing is bullshit but just like the fa- I can't stand that about him like I didn't used to hate Wolverine before these movies came out I don't like Wolverine anymore Logan he's awesome <laughs> because I don't have to deal with any of this shit but just like First of all, the fact that the X Men movies just became Wolverine movies. Yes, bothered the crash. He got me. Wolverine got forced down our throats. Yeah, like just too much Wolverine. Even uh, first class, too much Wolverine. He's I, it for yeah. sixty seconds. Even Apocalypse, so too much Wolverine. First class, first class. Yeah, the fact that they had to the shove him into Apocalypse. This is we're talking about other movies that we should be talking about. Yeah, but the fact that he appears in that movie still. at all, ridiculous. The wol- the 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 Logan Hugh Jackman Wolverine thing that when it comes to the X-Men franchise, and this is the last I'll say about it, I think that, personally, my theory is that they pulled a whole bunch of people that really liked the animated show when we were all kids, and they were like, what's your favorite X-Men? And everyone was like, Wolverine! Because he had fucking cool claws and a cool-ass costume. And they just leaned into that Hard. What they should have said was Gambit. <laughs> they should have said Gambit. He's awesome in the cartoon. Speaking of Gambit, did everybody see his uh... Remy LeBeau on the screen? Yeah, Remy yeah. LeBeau on the screen. I meant to go back and pause and see if I recognize any of the other names. And there's I didn't... a there's a couple other names on there. Yeah, I uh, forget exactly who they are, but yeah, there's a couple other. They, sh- they show Beast on television. Yeah, Doctor yeah. Hank McCoy is yeah. featured on television, mm-hmm. looking nothing like Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. <laughs> Kelsey Kelsey Grammer is a Perfect fucking casting for Beast. Yeah, Night. absolutely. It's a shame that movie's a pile of shit. Yeah, I digress. <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah, uh, yeah X two. Start. But that, that opening is. I'm just yeah, going please back. go back to that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, sorry we derailed you. No, we that, that's just perfectly okay. But just showing off his ability, his power, yeah. going through everything. That was just. Awesome. It really sets the tone. I'm like, alright, this is the action yeah. that I felt was lacking in the first one. This is what we're going to get. I am all in at this yeah, point. They get you psyched. And there is a lot of action in this movie. Yes, there that. is. There's a, good, there's a very it, yeah. firm amount of, like, solid amount of action in this movie. Talking about your boy Wolverine, this is probably the most Wolverine action you get in an ensemble X-Men you movie. Just, you just call him my boy... I only called him your boy because we talked about Wolverine for a, a lot. <laughs> I'm thinking I get... Hold on. One, two, three? Three solid Wolverine-focused action sequences in this? Him in the school is, like, phenomenal. Him that, in the school? That's my favorite scene, the uh, the mansion invasion. I love oh. it. It's not even just him. It's the fact that Colossus gets involved... He throws that guy through a fucking wall. Colossus is one of the biggest problems in the Colossus movie. is so wasted in this. Colossus, Colossus is wasted. wasted. And I don't like it. Like, they they did the they did the reverse Deadpool, where it was too much money to just completely CGI Colossus. They were like, let's make a guy, we'll turn him into Colossus once, and then we'll turn him into a human, because it's cheaper than CGIing a person and walking around as metal. Well, yeah, they were, they were cameoing him, basically. Also, 03. Yeah. What's that? It's 2003. It is yeah, 15 yeah, years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
For sure. By the way, the effects on this still hold up pretty well. Surprisingly well. Yeah. yeah. So from 15 years ago, this well. movie still looks pretty good. It's a, I, it gets a little wonky with the extended shots of Cyclops' beam, but otherwise, everything else holds up pretty well. But I, we don't get enough Cyclops in there, so we don't get a ton of extended beam. We get really the one where yeah, against just the Jean one, Grey. Yeah, it's, it's the one fight where he's, hold, he's holding it out against her as she's stopping it with her yeah, powers. That's and, not, I mean, that's my, such a minor, minor complaint. Yeah. My measuring stick for the effects of the X-Men movies is how good Wolverine's claws look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and his claws actually look pretty good, though. They do. They, they, yeah. they, also, I love the, the Nightcrawler teleport, teleporting yes. animations. The, we call it Banff. Bam, the Bamfing, yes. Bamfing. As he leaves his little smoke clouds behind. Oh, it's so good. That, I think that's, that's, that's actually what he does. Yeah, it, it is. It's what yeah, he does. That's but how I he think, actually teleports. And the actual terminology for it is Bamfing. Yes. Is Banff. Because that's the onomatopoeia. Yeah, it's the onomatopoeia. They also hit that noise. Oh, yeah, the... Yeah, it, it sounds like Banff to me yeah. when he does it. It's fucking awesome. Quick question for, for comic lore. Is Nightcrawler a Mystique's son? Yes, and they're the same age in this movie, or they look the same age, and it's fucking weird, because he's an adult, and I don't know but how old she is. But again, if we... it This is the one time we're extending into the really shitty movies is okay here. But if you want to extend into Apocalypse, too, they're also the same age in that. Yes. Wait, is, she, is he in Apocalypse? Yes. yes. Oh, you didn't see that one, did you? No, I did see Apocalypse. Oh, I yeah, he's in, in the beginning. He's fighting he's Angel. He's in quite a few scenes. He's in a couple of the scenes. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit! That guy's yeah. right. He's not young enough to be her son of that either. Abs- right. You're absolutely right because she that's what she does. Him. She rescues him from yeah. the cage. Yeah. I mean, she's also, I think, in some lore, she's also Rogue's mom. Oh, interesting. Because there's many different extensions of the yeah, universe. Yeah, but, but Nightcrawler's the big one, and yeah. they're, he's too old to have been hurt. So the reason this, this came up is because at work, someone made the comment that to be a superhero, you can't have parents. So you instantly start running through all the superheroes in your head. Like, oh, this guy lost a parent, this guy lost a parent, this guy lost a parent. So then Google it, and they're like, well, Nightcrawler is the product of, uh, it's Mystique and Angel something? I forgot. Archangel? No way. Not Archangel. Who's, who's Nightcrawler's father? Do you know off the top of your head? No. Oh, it's another mutant. Nobody's vamping because we're all on the phones. Uh, Azazel. 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 Yeah. Oh, he, shit. He's the guy in first class. The red teleporter. Yes. Okay, not Angel. All right. Yeah. I got it confused. So, like, yeah, he's the only one. Allegedly. <laughs> that's weird. Right? <laughs> Especially, I mean, it doesn't work in the movie canon anymore, but that's fine. But just the fact that... Huh. This yeah. running running through your head. Can you can you pinpoint these guys' parents or who who's still alive? Who hasn't been disowned? Who was uh... so we're talking we're talking like healthy parent child relationship, right? Superhero. That's uh, not deceased. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I got you. I mean, that's tough because they're all some of them are fully grown adults. Yeah. Um, Just think about like their origins, like. Uh, no, I mean, going through the big names, obviously no Batman, Superman, no, no. Wonder Woman's got her dad Zeus. <laughs> Never meet him. That's true. <laughs> Single father, I guess. If her mom... Does she die in the movie? No, no, she's around. She's, uh... Okay, yeah. But again, her. it's just still a single mom. It's, uh, yeah. She doesn't have a relationship I, with it, both of her parents. I, I will say, without trying to really waste too much time doing it, that if you're gonna find... If you're gonna find that, it's gonna be in the X-Men. Yeah, because it's the biggest, it's uh... A it's big, a huge pool to pull from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you do get a lot of those. I mean, like, Bobby Drake still has two parents who are alive. Also true, actually, yeah. In infuriating fashion, but... Yeah, but again, that, that relate. I guess like, the terms are... 
both parents alive with a healthy relationship with with child and our relationships trash. Based now. in the comics, I have no idea. <laughs> Listen though, like, I like to think it was handled better than that I, comic. I can't, ima- not, I can't imagine. Not. I can't imagine you can run around saving the world if your parents are good parents and asking you, like giving you a bed, like a curfew, and making sure that your homework's done. You don't gotta have that luxury. I guess. So, I haven't really gotten much of the plot forward. of this movie. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, well, all right, let's get into the plot of this movie. So, it starts with your favorite scene and subsequently my favorite scene. Uh, Nightcrawler attacking the president. Which was, he was forced into doing it by Stryker, who has magic serum that controls mutants, because science is dumb in this movie. Science is dumb in this movie, but here's the thing, and I was thinking about this uh, as I was watching it this time around. I think that that serum is essentially a, a weaponized version of his son's brain oh, fluid. It for sure Definitely. is. Yeah. yeah, it must be right. Yep, Has that's be. some sort of acid one, and that's that's how he gets the plans for Cerebro. Yeah, uh, it, it's really how this movie. That's how he gets all his intel. Yeah, it, it is. It is the train that drives this plot forward. Everything that. Striker needs comes through the serum, which is the president attacks. So the president will authorize his plan to go to the mansion, and he needs the yep to get the parts of Cerebro and any of the kids that he can, so that he can test Cerebro on. Well, he just really fucked up that we never get to see. Thank God. I think the plan was just to execute the plan, which included executing all the mutants. Mm -hmm. And if he was watching these kids die. He would know it. It was working. Yeah, that was he was going to test it on the kids. But I don't think he was going to test it separately. He was just he was just going to watch the kids die while the other based, mutants based outside. on based on what he said is that he wanted to do like a trial run. But well, it sounds like a trial never run. Comes yeah, to pass. it doesn't come to pass. Thank God. His motivation for this is kind of fuzzy to me. It's yeah. I don't really. It's because his son was a douchebag. His, his wife crazy, and she killed herself. Pretty much. So now he's using his son to destroy all the other mutants. It's because that's fair, right? It's it's. A, I guess he's not a logical person. No, and he's a powerful person, so he can kind of do whatever he wants. I mean, it falls into the lines of what makes a good villain. I guess he's still the hero of his own story. He thinks that he's ridding the world of this nuisance. Yeah, it's not correct, but. From in his messed up brain, it is. I have a hot take, maybe a lukewarm take. I'm not sure how you guys feel about it. Room temperature take. My favorite striker, I guess, in this movie, because I hate him in all the other ones. So I tolerate him. I like him. One. I like him better in the prequels. I think, but it's close. I like it's, old it's... man striker more than I like young striker because, especially in Apocalypse, when young striker shows up, I wanted to vomit. All right, <laughs> fair. I. He does a lot. To be fair, he does a lot more in this. I'm mean, the only young striker that does anything is the one in Origin, Origin which is just, fucking horse shit. It's impossible to judge because Danny Houston's a good actor. Yes, yeah. But like he's just written like dog shit, like yeah. everything in that movie. So it's hard to judge. True. I there are. I mean, Brian Cox is good too. There are a couple a couple of things that he does in this movie that I fucking despise. He actually is, in my opinion the worst performance in this movie. He's doing exactly what he should do with what he's what was written for him and what his character is being asked to do, but I can't fucking stand it. And it, and it, and it happens early. So the first time he walks into the office with the president and Mystique 
disguised as the senator comes in and says they have that conversation and he follows him Mystique follows him out follows Walker out and says what are you trying to start a war and he whips around and is like I was in Viet fighting on the front lines of Vietnam when you were sucking on your mother's teeth at Woodstock that's a direct quote from this movie there's no fucking way you're looking at both of the people on the screen being like yes one is clearly much older than the other which is what he's suggesting Striker looks great then yeah, Stri- yeah, yeah Stryker must must have aged... 30 plus years at that point. Yeah. There's no way that they're 30 years apart, period. I fucking hate that moment. And and then just every time he tries to get serious from then on, I'm like, I, I can't I can't with this fucking guy. That might be more of a, uh, a commentary on I was in the military, you weren't. Sure. Than an age difference type deal. Because I could see another grown man saying to someone the same age, I did this while you were sucking on your mom's teeth back home. Implying you're a baby because you never served. Yeah, no, no, that's fair. That is the vibe I got from that, watching it. Okay, that's a different vibe than... Alright, that makes a little more sense. But the way that it came off to me, I was just like, are you calling yourself older? Like, that's dumb. The scene with X, when he's describing what what his um what his son did to his wife and shit like that I'm like I don't buy it for whatever reason I just I I can see that that would be a good motivation to do what it is that you're doing but you're not selling it to me as like an emotional response like that's the moment when you're no longer the military man where like emotion comes through and it's like this is what happened to me and you continue to be militant and like that's you know, you, you didn't show any humanity, so I don't believe anything you say. I mean, it does kind of. I've never, I don't know, I've never, I've seen this movie many times, and I've never doubted his, like, authenticity and his motivation, I guess. Mm-hmm. Fair. I found the motivation fuzzy. I didn't find anything wrong with the way he delivered it. I don't I don't feel it was Brian Cox's portrayal yeah. that, uh... I'm not saying that his portrayal, his, his portrait is wrong. I'm simply saying that the way that it's written... Yeah, the way that it's directed is it just fuzzy. It's fuzzy. Yeah, and then again, when he's out at the fucking helicopter, the 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 constant flip flopping between we can get out of here. I'll tell you everything you want to know. Desperation, so we can get out of there. Sure, he's bargaining at that point. Yeah, and and that's totally fine. Like he knows he's a gunner. Dude, I'm all about the bargaining, all about it. But then to follow it up with. You're an animal and you're never going to be anything but an animal. I'm like... Because he's leaving. Yeah, bargaining failed. Yeah, bar- now, um, bargaining, now I'm angry. Yeah, he, rolled the, he rolled the one on his on his bluff check. Or bargaining <laughs> check. <laughs> Pretty much. That's it. And then he's just persuasion. like, well, fuck you too. He <laughs> yeah. that, rolled the one on his persuasion. Yeah. That's actually well written. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, that's, like right. kind of right, that's fair. Yeah, fair that's enough, what an enough. evil douchebag would do. Yep. <laughs> you try to manipulate you when it fails, you just be like, well... Fuck you, the same mean things to you. It's like when Jack Black's head up in Tropic Thunder. All he wants is his jelly beans. <laughs> <laughs> your mother's a canker sore. Hey, remember the time I called your mom a canker sore? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I just need my jelly beans. <laughs> but I mean, these are my special jelly beans. I love jelly beans. Can I have some? <laughs> Can I have your jelly beans? <laughs> but in fairness, is there anybody whose who's acting or performance was worse than his in this? Yes. Who? I don't know, I just wanted to say yes. That's fair. Right? I'm just saying, like, I, I can't pick out another person in this movie whose performance I liked Well, I guess I'm not categorizing his performances as, as subpar, so 
to say he's the worst performer, maybe, like, across the board. Um, One of the kids in the museum is definitely worse. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Alright. Um, that I fucking love, though. I fucking love that little bit. When Magneto ties him up to the, like, rechains him onto the, the fucking blocks away from the helicopter. And as the kid walks away, he sticks the tongue out again. Sticks his little lizard tongue out again. I fucking loved that moment. I love the scene before that where Wolverine goes to talk to him. He's just strung up on this rock with a chain across his face. He's like just so pathetic. He's like, I was just gonna, <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna talk to you for a little bit before this wave comes and kills me. The layout of that chain is just, yeah, it's, 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 it's almost comical because it's draped across his face. Exactly. Well, the problem was <laughs> Wolverine tied his arms up. Like tied tied it around him so that his arms were down. He snuck out, was about to get out when Magneto showed up, yep. and was like, "Well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Let me hang you up like Jesus and put the chain across your face." Our paths keep crossing. This will be the last time. <laughs> going back to your question, Pyro, like I don't think his performance was great either. Right. Like I'm not a fan of teen tough guy act. Like it's uh, wasn't a thing. I didn't really like that museum scene at all when he. Uh, Goes after, especially you get the down blast shot of Rogue that, like, oh, he's checking her out, and we get to see it from his perspective, and she's got a little cleave going on. And then you see her face, and she's so disgusted. <laughs> Anna Pack, when, when, um, when Logan shows up back up at the mansion, and, uh, Rogue runs up to say hi. Yeah. It was one of those, it, it was almost like a, uh, a Spider Man one moment where I'm like, she does not look like she's in high school. She cannot pull off a 16-year-old in this. It's it's the fact, See, too. I don't question it as much in this as I did in Spider-Man on the rewatch. Fair. That, totally fair. Like they I, are I think 30. I, Spider-Man. <laughs> Listen, Spider-Man is very clearly off, but in that one moment, I'm looking at her, I'm like, I don't believe Anna Paquin is under the age of 25 for fair one enough. second. In my humble opinion... With Spider-Man, everybody's old, so it works. They're all the same. <laughs> and, and, right. right? It's not like you're, yeah, you're throwing Kirsten Dunst up against like a young Ellen Page. Yeah. They're supposed to be the same age. Everyone's freaking old, uh, plays an old high school student. So, yeah. to, to be fair, they played this better because all the instructors and teachers are noticeably older than the students. Yes, also true. That, that helps works. lend yeah. to the illusion. It does. I like that scene too when Rogue runs up to Logan and then Iceman tries to like... He tries to alpha male him. Yeah, (laughs) And I love Logan's line, like, oh, boyfriend, huh? How do you, uh... We're working on it. (laughs) Like, like, I wanted to finagle that into my opening line, I bet somehow, but I couldn't figure out how to do it. Podcast that's working working on on it. it. (laughs) (laughs) What's great about that scene too is like, as soon as he realizes what he said, he's like, Oh shit, this is Rogue's father figure. This is essentially dad here. But I think he's cool with it. I don't know. <laughs> no, he is. He's Logan. Like, he's like her cool uncle. Yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, is what it is. That relationship builds pretty wonderfully throughout the course of this movie. I Which one are we talking about? Uh, Iceman and Wolverine. Oh yeah. I, it, it, when he's teamed up with Iceman, is one part of the times I like him. Like, I don't dislike Wolverine in the whole movie, just certain parts of it. Yeah. But that's the more likable Wolverine is when he's dealing with Rogue or Iceman or anything with Cyclops or Jean Grey. I'm like, you fucking scumbag! Why? Why are you doing this? I, I think that I get but, it. But. but even just the the sheer way that they chose to kind of actually build that relationship was pretty awesome. 
It's like, I'm going to try to alpha male you. Oh, shit, that's not how this is going to work. All right, we're going to talk like adults here. <laughs> oh, shit, I'm the beta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, we're going we're gonna to talk like two people that are just trying to get to know each other over a root beer that I'm going to cool for you. Awesome. Him building that fucking ice wall. That was awesome. Awesome. Yes. Outstanding. Fucking awesome. Very cool. With Wolverine's the- reaction to the ice wall, too, is like, also, one of the things I really fucking hate about this movie, when he, like, puts his hands up to Stryker, like, Dad? Well, he's always been searching. It, it makes, it may, it's kind of stupid, but it also makes sense. I get it. It yeah. does. I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm just saying I fucking hate the choice. That's fair. The the Wolverine Cyclops dynamic, just to, just to touch on that a little bit more. Sure. Um, the, the, the childlike arguments and the relationship that they have, like... When he flings the keys at Cyclops, your bike's out of gas, and Cyclops throws it back like, get gas yourself! <laughs> so fill it up. <laughs> fill it up. You know what this movie God. missed? Like, they are like that in the comics and the show. They do quarrel like that, but it's just... But they're on the so same poorly, side. It's, <laughs> it's so poorly done in this, and it's so completely one-sided. Yes. Because, so yeah. fill it up, is the best line Cyclops has ever had in the movie to throw back at Wolverine. Yeah. It's... Why does Cyclops have all these like really nice vehicles? I don't know. He's he's <laughs> killing it, yeah, right? He's got a sweet motorcycle, an awesome because car. Because he's not he's not just another professor at Xavier School. He got he's a huge the, raise last he's, year. He's the fucking dean. It's great though. He's, he's administration. Car, whose car is this, Professor Summers? <laughs> this is Cyclops' car. Well, in that case, <laughs> oh my god, I kind of hated that too. When's the last time you turned a car on then took the key out of the ignition? He he opens up the middle blade as if to like hotwire the car. He turns the key to the point of where it's on. And when do you take right, the, like on locked? Yeah, like you broke it. Then he took it out, so it's it's like, it's like an always on oh, thing right. to to stop the car to turn the car off. He's gonna have to stick the claw back in and turn it to off. That's it's like on locked position. I get what you're saying, though. Yeah. That, you're saying, like, he turned it... Because, again, when you turn... When you turn your car on, you turn it all the way over. Yes, and, and, and your key stays in there. Key stays in. But it's on locked position. So he, he took it out when it was in the locked position. I guess so. So he didn't, like, turn it on, turn it off, take the key. This like, is something I've never thought about <laughs> in this movie, and I've seen it, like, six times. All the, dude, it, the minute... The minute that he, like, pops out the middle claw, which is a callback to him giving him, like, the middle claw finger... Yeah. Um, I'm just like, is he going to drive to Boston the entire time with one hand at 12 and the other hand locked into the fucking steering column? Yeah. This, this thing legit that when you turn your car on, yet when you turn it off, you have to turn it back and out. Yeah. So yeah. He has it on and I it guess that's stays true. on. Yeah. 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 Don't try that at home. Everyone. No, I'm 100% sure that's exactly the out, like, if you turn your car on, even to like the on lock position, and if you take the key out. Yeah, it's locked. You can't take the key out that You point. can't. You can't break yeah. the car. Exactly. You're going to destroy it. You're going to have to break the key off in order to, to, to do, do that. that yeah. Wolverine is Wolverine, so you can do whatever the hell you want. Yeah. He also started it with a claw. Yes. <laughs> He'll also just retract the claw. The car isn't going to keep the fucking adamantium claw. Exactly. Um, it will try, but it will, <laughs> it will fail. Fuck. I don't even remember what we were talking about up to that point. Who knows? Mm. The, when you said in your opening uh, thoughts how this movie kind of dragged, mm-hmm. that damn scene is way too damn long. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the after Gene is out of the plane? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's what's way too. It's like do it already. That's I think I yelled that at the screen when I was like watching it. It's like dude. Immediately after she starts blocking the water, all of the electronics come on and all of the engines work again. Fucking fly! It's so poorly done for the length reason and for sheer and utter stupidity reason. Because convenient plot device. Theoretically, it's so bad. Yes, theoretically, it's so bad. Theoretically, she could have done that shit from inside the plane. And it, she could have just started the plane regardless of... She's going to have to hold the water back. She can just start the plane. Yes. Oh, yeah. What the that's true. fuck? Why is this so stupid? That's <laughs> true. She turns the plane on before the water gets to her, now that I'm thinking about it. And from a story pr- perspective, it doesn't hit home emotionally because you're not emotionally connected to Jean Grey. We that's, haven't gotten enough of Jean Grey in this movie to feel yeah, that. It's, it's, Even it's in the first movie, it's a failure on Brian Singer's part to... Uh, to establish a connection. Yes, he yeah. overestimated the connection he tried to establish in the first movie and I guess the first half of this movie Maybe they left scenes the on the floor Maybe of per- Jean Grey. They, Perhaps, but then they have to change their ending yeah. because it doesn't but, work. But this movie and the last movie specifically is... The emotional connection that we're feeling, as far as the female mutant connection that we're feeling, is to Rogue. It's why that moment when Rogue's hair turns gray and she's dying on that machine, that we feel something. And that why, like, when she passes out and when Logan, like, touches her face, that moment is moving. Because it's her story. Like, we want to know about her Gina's a secondary character at this point. In retrospect, had it been Rogue that sacrificed herself and everyone's broken up about it, I wouldn't have felt any (laughs) more or less emotion in the slightest. I feel Brian Singer does a bad job establishing emotional connections, mainly to his female characters. Yeah, that's fair. No, no, it's totally fair, but I'm saying that compared to X-Men and X2, Mm -hmm. I felt more connection to the end with Rogue and X1 than I felt to what... Jean Grey is doing in that, in in that dam. Well, it's not hard to feel more than nothing. I think that's true. Because like, uh... I feel, in my opinion, though, it, like at, at the end of the day, it had so much less to do with trying to like show Jean Grey and give me like an emotional connection to like her sacrifice and just a convenient plot device to. Potentially introduce Phoenix. That's exactly what. Yeah, it, that's, they that's even they even doing. put a line into the movie where like, why didn't you just do that from up here? And then Xavier is like, she made a choice, and I was like, what the <laughs> what this choice? Is awful. Exactly. If you couldn't tell, this is my least favorite scene in the movie. Yes. It's fucking yeah. atrociously it's, bad. It's pretty fucking awful that that's the way that they fucking end this movie. It's, that's the worst yeah. part. This movie has a, a very strong upward trajectory for most of it, and then it just fucking plummets at the end. Yeah. It's long, it's predictable, you know what's going to happen, and just seeing everyone's reaction to it, he, re- he really did uh, this underestimate. <laughs> my, my least favorite part of this particular scene, though, is Scott running up to Professor X, like Gene's talking through Professor X, he runs up to Professor X and talks as if it's Gene, like, I really expect him to fucking kiss Xavier. See, I actually kind of don't hate that part. I I, I, legit- <laughs> I legitimately thought he was about to lean in and kiss Xavier and be like, Gene, this is for you. I, f- I can't. I, 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 I dug that part mainly because... You can, you can feel like his connection okay. to Gene, I'm, at least. I'm glad that I guy hate Cyclops. I hate Cyclops in this, so what do I care? I'm glad that guy finally got to act. 
because he didn't really have anything. Yeah, he finally to do. got a couple of like you know <laughs> lines to say. <laughs> exactly. Also true. In some sort of emotional state. If you're gonna go the self-sacrifice so route, you got to pick a character that the audience cares about. Otherwise, it just yeah. feel, falls flat, and it's a waste. It's an utter waste. It serves only to set up the third movie that is terrible. But that's not what we're talking about today. Exactly. And if you want to set something up, then you need a lot more Jean Grey <laughs> early <laughs> on. Yeah, you do need a lot more Jean Grey early. Although, the the one of the very few scenes that we get after this is one of my favorite scenes. It's the next scene in the White House. I love that conversation. The teleprompter. Oh, and they show up and, uh, right yeah. after freezing time again? Yep. I... I Thoroughly enjoy that. I love the fact that Nightcrawler's there in the present season gets freaked out. He a just bit. waves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember me? No, it's fine. I'm I'm good now. Nightcrawler with his three fingers. Yes. I I just enjoy that. I I mean, they set a precedent that Xavier can do this with the museum. I think that the message that he's sending is important. I think that's exactly how the X Men would do this if they were put in that situation. I enjoy it. Yeah, I like that. I like that I, part. I, I, I like that part. The scene before it has really kind of ruined my mood of the movie, but that part, you know, upticks again. Yeah. And then back to the Jean Grey narration that just makes my heart sad again. <laughs> but not for, you know, sadness for Jean Grey. So who didn't do a favorite or least favorite? See, we my, did this kind of out of order. Yeah, my, my favorite again was the, the Nightcrawler scene in the beginning. And I, my least favorite tie between the the uh, Jean Grey ending and the um, misuse of Cyclops, which is just an overarching thing in the original trilogy, right? It's yeah. So I yeah. It just has to get thrown in. So it's it's a tie for least favorite for me. Favorite for me is one of the two really really good action sequences we get. I'm probably going to lean towards Nightcrawler, but I think a very strong argument could be made for the mansion invasion uh either one of those two scenes just fucking phenomenal least favorite i'm probably going to go with just striker in general i I just don't i just don't like that fucking character i don't i don't like it I, i don't know where where it is as far as accuracy in what we get in comics or anything like that i i just i couldn't see him without seeing parts of x men origins and that made it worse for me. I, I just don't like that character as a general rule of thumb. And to recap, my favorite was the Mansion Invasion, definitely. And my least favorite is basically a three-way tie between the Jean Grey death, the uh, misuse of Cyclops, which I wasn't going to have as my least favorite, and you brought it up, and I was like, I guess that counts as part of this movie. It does, yeah. Because I absolutely hate that, but... And also, Bobby Drake's family being the worst family. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, a bad, that's a rough like scene. That inf- that's, I guess it's an effective scene because it got to me emotionally. It infuriated... I've seen this movie like five or six times and it still infuriated me. Yeah. I was like, you were the worst. It also is what drives... Ultimately, it is what drives Pyro to Magneto's side. That, that interaction in Boston there is what drives Pyro to them. It certainly doesn't hurt. Because Pyro attacks the cops... And realizes that he can attack the cops, and there's next to nothing that the fucking regular humans can do about it. They could easily shoot him. <laughs> not I don't know why they didn't. N- not if he's <laughs> fucking shooting fireballs at him left and right, I guess. Especially because that one guy had no problem shooting Wolverine in the head immediately, yeah. so I'm surprised no one put Pyro down. 
Well, he like blasts that guy off of the off the porch. He blasts both the guys off the porch. I guess Pyro's a kid. That'd be my I only. guess. Also, <laughs> don't, we don't want to end up on the news shooting kids. Shooting yeah, just fucking, from just from a yeah. film perspective. I guess that's fair. It's, it's also not good. Just not good showing kids getting shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Battle Royale, though, am I right? <laughs> Japanese man. <laughs> if you want to, Hunger Games, too. am I right? If you want to get shot in Hunger Games. By things, someone got shot by an arrow. Probably a kid. They're all kids. They're all under eighteen. And technically, the guy who plays Pyro probably not a kid. I just wanted. I don't think anyone gets shot by an arrow. A child gets shot by an arrow in Hunger Games, except for the one that kills Rue. I guess. Yeah. Sorry. There's one. Boom. <laughs> this is wasting more time we don't have. It's true. <laughs> all time in the world, Joe. All the time in the world, except it's me who has to do the editing. It's 10.47. Plenty of time. It's True. just we've been rolling for an hour 40. Yeah, I know. Oh, this is a long episode. 40 <laughs> minutes of it was what I've been watching. Yeah, um, <laughs> so much of it. I just a quick question, yeah. and this is something I thought of, is uh, when um, Colossus opens the trap door... Did anyone else think, wow, you gotta hit that really hard over it? Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he really, like... Yeah, he really, he puts some English on that. And then, <laughs> and then, and then when it closes, I'm like, no one else is going to be able to open this. <laughs> well, the, they go to a different trap door. They touch no. it really easily. Yeah, they He picked it. a really shitty trap door. Because yeah. <laughs> they, they're on this wholly that different trap door. They don't, they don't, yeah, they don't come out at the same spot, man. <laughs> That's like the one they sealed up. Yeah. He's this like, isn't the today. chapter you should use, unless you're with Colossus, and then, yeah. yeah, I guess you can use that one. Is that, like, day one, I feel like you're, when you go to X-Men school, is, alright, this is where all the trapdoors are. This no, is the force you have to hit. I'm willing, I'm willing to bet it's, like, a, an upperclassman thing, where it's like, okay, you're an upperclassman now, you're almost going to be an X-Man, so these are where the trapdoors are. If something happens, you get as many kids as you can, you get to this spot. That's not really fair, because if you're isolated and there's a trapdoor nearby, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, there's probably an orientation where they show you the emergency exit God panels. Me. I guess. They're Maybe. clearly marked with wood. Wait. <laughs> it's a Professor X mind melt where he's like, oh, there's another trapdoor. <laughs> Go left. <laughs> like on your first day, he's just constantly <gasps> in your head. <laughs> Hi. Take the elevator. What you, what you doing? What you doing? I'm just trying to get settled. Who's talking to me? The guy who owns the school. <laughs> All right, this is creepy. All right, seriously, let's stone this shit. Stoning it is when we rate a movie from one to six infinity stones. If you give it six infinity stones, you can also give it an infinity gauntlet if you want. You know, no pressure. That's how the rating system works. We're going to rate it now, starting with Senor Corey. Five. I am going to give it five stones. I, always, I just love your technique. I, I, you know what? I thought... I really... I honestly... I didn't know where I was going to land on it, because... It's long, so I, I feel like that was going to hurt it, but at the end of the day, it is a really fun movie to watch, and the things that I don't like about it are nitpicky, or at the very least, personal things, and like, I can't I can't hurt a movie based off of strictly what I find personally to be a problem with it, like... Well, you can, it's your rating. Yeah. It, it is, but what I mean is like, it's not, it's not like those are problems... With the way that the movie was made, it's not a problem with the way it's acted. It's like, for me, I don't particularly appreciate that. But the movie itself is very good, despite it being a little long. It's getting five stones for me. Sequel, follow it up. What, what's your rating? I'm going to give it five stones as well. Again, I said it's the second. <laughs> it's the second best X Men movie, in my opinion. And this has the benefit of three being so bad, it elevates two even more. Mm-hmm. Um. So, 
Yeah, for all the reasons we said earlier, it's, five seems very appropriate. There are some flaws with it. That's why it's not a six. But, uh, yeah, five. It's a solid follow-up to the first X-Men, which is also a very good movie, in my opinion. It improves on a fair amount of things. There are still things in it I don't like. For that reason, it is also going to get five stones. Surprise, sure. surprise. Those are our ratings for X2. If you want to email us your rating or thought on X2 if the things we didn't talk about in this incredibly long coverage of X2, you can send those in an email to zthpodcast at gmail.com. Boom! You can also find us on Twitter at zthpodcast. If you have a picture of you in a Wolverine costume or with Wolverine claws, I would love to see those on Instagram at zthpodcast. Go on your phone, hit that Facebook app, find us, uh, Joe just did something funny. We're on Facebook, (laughs) facebook.com slash Podcast, or search for us on Facebook, Zero's Talking Heroes. And go on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, however you get the show, just don't use Spotify because we're not on there yet. Search Zero's Talking Heroes, find us, if give us a five star rating if you're enjoying the show and you want to leave a review, that's cool too. You, You know what? If you don't feel like writing an honest review of the show, write as an application for the Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. Ooh, that's even better. Write as like like a paragraph of like just some like if you want to give yourself a power or something, you know, have some fun with it. You don't have to, but why not? We're gonna get one of those from Bennett. We're still gonna read it on the air either way. <laughs> he already left the review though, we'd have to make like a new account. Exactly. Which I'm not <laughs> saying he won't do. Or he's going to email in or his application. You can also do that. I'll read that. That sounds cool. Yeah, well, we have no problem reading things on the air. So thanks for joining us for our coverage of X2. Next time we're going to be doing American Splendor, right? Yes. Yes. American Splendor. You might be thinking, what is that movie? Google it in the meantime, or just wait till next week and we'll tell you. It's got Paul Giamatti in it. None of you have seen it, right? No. No. That's what we found that. Yeah. Fresh eyes. I've never even heard of it until I I saw it. I hadn't heard of it. I was like, and it's rated it really high, so cool. When you Google comic book movies, because which we all do to look for ideas for the yeah. show, that's always up there. That and like Ghost World are like similar. I've seen Ghost World. Yeah. I don't care for it very okay. much. It's got Mickey Park in it though. Steve Buscemi in it as well. I think so. Yes. Yeah. And that's going to do it for us here. As always, it's my job to let you know that every movie out there is someone's favorite movie. X two definitely is. Have a great day. Bye.